this week on the Euro Trips podcast. Lazio accused Roma of living rent-free in their heads, whilst both Milan teams win at the weekend to keep the Squadetto race well and truly alive. Also, what's left to play for in Germany, France and Spain, all on this week's Eurotrips podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to another week and another edition of the Euro Trips podcast, sponsored by nobody. And this week I am Ryan and I'm your host. That's because if you missed last week's episode, you'll have missed Andrew's news that he'll be out of action for the next month due to revising to become the next Michael Owen of the journalism world. But he'll be back soon. Uh, for now, you've got me, but not just me. I am joined this week by Mr. Spanish football himself, Naeem. And every 12-year-old's favourite Twitter himself, the Euro expert, Alex. <laughs> I thought I got away with it. Oh, no. You're only meant to abuse Andy, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's good to be back. Yeah, I know, I know you're listening, Mr Davis, so I'll keep your slander down to a minimum this week. But um, I'm not going to ask you how things are, gentlemen, because I don't care, quite frankly. But um, Wow. Well, I've missed Andy already. I think I'll just leave now. <laughs> um, no, are you both okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm all good. Good yeah, I'm, uh, weekend. I'm hiding upstairs because both my parents have COVID. Oh, God. I mean, I, I live alone. I'm an adult. <laughs> so good to have you back, isn't it? Um, as I've mentioned in the promo... We've got much to discuss this week in the world of Italian football. Title race is still very much alive between the two Milan sides. Uh, a weekend which saw 29 goals across all the Serie A fixtures. Uh, out in Spain, Naeem, a certain team won something. What did they win? They won the Liga title and it was Real Madrid. And there, and obviously Ancelotti, he's now won a league in all uh, the top five leagues so I think he's the first manager to do so so yeah big up to him mm, good for him um Alex which team drew 3-3 against Strasbourg P- PSG mm. <laughs> hey yeah. tested me no yeah <laughs> I knew I knew you knew it anyway um, <laughs> just making sure the listeners were aware of I, did, uh, I didn't watch that game so I'm, I'm lucky I, I reviewed some uh, the games before I came on <laughs> yes um, well, there's there's then the boring old Premier League, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. But um, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to tell you what's been happening in the world of Italy this weekend. Um, the only interesting league left. Yes, yeah. the only interesting league this season, really. Um, well, both Milan clubs they faced tricky games at the weekend, didn't they? But they both came through unscathed. Inter managed a two-one away win. At an informed Udinese side who definitely had their chances throughout the game. Uh, in that they took the lead through Ivan Perisic from a corner again. Um, they went 2 0 up after a VAR check overturned the ref's original decision. 
and awarded into a penalty, of which Lautaro Martinez missed, but then he scored with the rebound. Uh, Udinese, they got one back in the second half after a little bit of a goal line scramble occurred from a brilliant free kick from Gerard Delafeu, remember him? Uh, but it wasn't enough. Inter, they took the precious three points they needed. But earlier in the day, at the San Siro, Milan needed an 82nd-minute winner to send the stadium into raptures as Rafael Liao punished a mistake from the Fiorentina defence in quite a dull game, really. Both teams lacked a bit of quality and it was always going to take a mistake from someone to, to get a goal and it's a crucial goal for the Milan. Um, elsewhere, Leonardo Bonucci scored twice for Juve to seal a narrow home win against relegation friend Venezia, which saw one of the worst knee slides you'd ever see from the Italian centre-back. Um, Napoli, they put six past to Suolo, but their title hopes are already gone. Roma could only draw nil-nil at home in true Jose Mourinho style at home to Bologna. And speaking of Roma, their rivals Lazio, who, by the way, beat Spezia in a seven-goal thriller, no big deal, They've actually accused Roma today of basically living in their heads rent-free. Um, not in them exact, <laughs> not, not in those exact words, but I'm going to read you a statement that Lazio put out today on their socials, and you can tell me what you think of this. So, the following: the fact that in 2022, a coach of another team makes repeated reference, references during his press conferences to alleged favourable decisions from referees to rival teams and, elsewhere, a number of journalists from the national press who openly support a team fan the flames of the matter, neglecting their professionalism and their duty-bound objectivity, proves the following, that they spend more time obsessing over Lazio than they do trying to secure prized professional targets. That as is often the case, they look towards other clubs to try and deflect attention away from their underwhelming results and a number of shocking incidents that have gone their way that were clear for all to see. That despite the need to improve football's image in Italy, a number of industry leaders still resort to consistently making accusations about match officials and VAR, that too often people gloss over these aggressive attacks on match officials and the lack of journalistic integrity. Lazio fully rejects all criticisms and insinuations, and the club continues to believe in the values displayed on the pitch and not in the TV studios. Lazio will never stand by and be made into scapegoats for other teams, and the club is willing to defend its stance in the appropriate forum. The club's stance will remain one where on-field decisions are not disputed, even when there are blatant incidents which go against Decide, such as Tenali's foul on a Serbi for Milan's goal, or Ibanez's elbow on Milinkovic Savic in the second derby of the season. To name but two, even though we call to mind several others, including the game at Spezia. These are crucial incidents that we have opted not to address out of respect for the officials on the pitch and the VAR, respect that others have not shown nor continue to do so. P.S. Fuck Roma. I. I. I liked it at first, you know. It just got worse throughout. I, I like the idea. But do you know what the big issue with that is? I think you'll agree, Ryan, and probably lead on it more. Is that 
out of all the clubs to take the moral, moral high ground in Serie A, <laughs> I think Nazio are probably like the one I'd least want. Like, haven't they got ben, Benito Mussolini's grandson on their team, and he's coincidentally a right winger? Like, I just don't. It's hard to take them seriously. But it's still, like Mourinho's annoying, and I'd get that. But I don't get their argument of we will not. We will not call out referees who are doing their job. We won't even call them out when they've made terrible decisions like this one against our team and this one against our team. <laughs> that, that felt a bit hypocritical. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Mussolini's great-grandson, Romano Floriani Mussolini, um, who they did sign uh, in March. But you are very right there. They are not a team that has any right to take the moral high ground. Uh, I think the only team that could probably be worse in that situation is probably Juventus, considering what they've done in their past. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, it was a bit strange, to be honest, um, really, that it came out. But it is what it is. You know, we've seen this all season in Serie A, you know, this bickering between managers. and We see it in all leagues, but in Italy it seems to be a little bit worse. Maybe it's to do with the culture a little bit. Um, obviously, the referees in Italy are probably the poorest out of the top five leagues, in my opinion. And that's, you know, that's generous considering how bad they are in the Premier League. But it was just all really a little bit, um, a bit weird, really. But I like it. I mean, they didn't say the PS fuck Roma. I added that little bit in. But yeah, uh, I mean, lastly, the game tonight, which see. Salernitana tried to go four wins in a row away at Atalanta. Certainly will be a better watch than Man United against Brentford. So if you have BT Sport, watch that game and don't watch Ralph Ranić try to get a nil-nil draw against Brentford. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's the world of or the mild world of Italian football once again. Um, moving on to the world of French football, something that we haven't really heard much about lately. Uh, Alex, you can explain a little bit more what's going on. Yeah, so PSG won the title. Um, anyway, let's talk about the interesting things. So let's look at, uh, I thought, a big moment of the weekend. Uh, the last French team left in Europe, Marseille, uh, in the Europa, Europa Conference League. They had a good game against Final, I thought. Really entertaining one. Blave had a bad warm-up for the second leg. They lost 3-0 last night to Lyon. Um, Lyon will touch on a bit more in a uh, little while. But, yeah, Marseille, they're still second in the league. Uh, 65 points with three games left. Uh, but it wasn't a good performance yesterday. And they'll be worried because, dun-dun-dun, they are getting caught up. In third and fourth, we've got Ren And remember Monaco when they were struggling and sacked their manager halfway through the season? Monaco have climbed to fourth. Uh, they got another win at the weekend, 2-0 v Angers. Uh, I think lots of people are pinning the sort of the, the greatness of Monaco on Tushimeni. Uh, but he uh, didn't even play at the weekend, didn't start at least. It, it was uh, Matazo paired with uh, Yusuf Fofana, who's... Uh, yeah, Yusuf Fofana, sorry. There's so many Fofanas in the league that uh, I was trying to make sure I've got the right one. And... Um, but yeah, he, he's come back in. 23-year-old French midfielder. has been even more impressive than Tuchemeni, another sort of well-rounded player who's 
sort of strived this Monaco team forward, as well as their January signing Vanderson from Brazil. Came in as a right back, but has played as a right mid. Uh, he's been really impressive. Uh, and Ren, we should touch on as well, like I said. They're in the mix, they're third, currently holding the Champions League spot. Lavro Maia got two goals at the weekend. I think that brings his total goals this season to like seven. Uh, the Croatian midfielder who arrived from Dinamo Zagreb last summer and has really climbed into the team. I think he's been really good. We should also touch on the fact about Nice, who uh, I think they sit fifth at the moment, just to make sure. Yeah, fifth under Christophe Galtier. It's only through five points off second place Marseille. It's really tight in around this area, but there's been a bit of bit, a bit of animosity to Nice, I'd say, because I think their fans really wanted to challenge for the title and it looked like they would do that in the first half of the season. But you guys remember Amin Giri? He's got Ooh. ten got ten goals and assists this year, but he's only got one in twenty twenty two. So rather this season. Only got one in twenty twenty two. Falling off a complete cliff. Same with a few other players like Andy Delore, Calvin Stengs, uh, all the talented players were excited about going there. They've just not. They've had quite a blunt attack going forward. Uh, before I open up to you guys for questions, because I imagine it's been a while, you might have some things to put forward. Uh, put forward to me. Um, I wanted to touch on Leon, as I said, because there's been some rumours recently that manager Peter Bosch will stay, and that is because they have been on a slightly better run. They've only lost one of the last uh, six games. And they've won four of them, including the, the Derby win against Marseille. Uh, and I've used Derby there in the correct sense for once. I always mix it up with rivalry. Uh, and they, their attack has been, like, superb recently. Musa Dembele, the former Celtic striker, has got 17 goals in the league. Uh, I really didn't... Like, it was surprising to see how well he's actually done. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's Premier League interest in him in the summer. I still think Bosch should go because he just cannot coach a defence at all. But... He has gone some way to challenge that in the last couple of games since they were knocked out by West Ham in the in the Europa League quite embarrassingly. Yeah, I mean, touching on Leon there, for me, they just look like a, a team. They, they, they've got such a, a good attack and a good midfield. When you, like you say, Moussa Dembele is an elite striker, in my opinion. Then you, you've got you know Lucas Paqueta, um, Hussein Mawar, uh, as well as obviously other players, uh, Ryan Shirky, who I don't, we haven't really heard too much about. He's been uh, injured for the, uh, sadly injured for the rest of the season. But they did bring in. Um, they were the first club to exercise the rule to bring in players from Ukrainian clubs in Tete uh, from Ooh. Shakhtar. Yeah, he scored a brilliant goal with like, his first touch in his debut, and um, he played quite well at the weekend. Actually, I think he got an assist for the third goal. Um, yes, yeah, so mm. he's coming as as well as Roman Fav from. Breast, another exciting attacker. Yeah, like I say, they've got they've got that midfield in their attack, but it just looks like defensively is where their problems lie at the moment. You know, they mm. haven't really got that many talented, you know, defenders, and uh, you'd imagine that would be an area where they where they look to try and improve upon in the summer. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree because it's been a bit weird. They've like Jason Denier. I'm not actually sure what's happened to him off the top of my head, but the weekend they started Jerome Boateng. He's, just looks really past it. Uh, Luke Eber, a youngster, who's got room to improve, but does look pretty good. Emerson Palmieri is decent. I guess the, the one defender I tweeted about actually yesterday, uh, Malo Gusto, a Brazilian... Well, he was... I believe he, he's he got dual nationality, Brazil and France, but 
he's play, he's played only for the French under twenty three, so mm. not sure I'm getting that from. However, he was phenomenal last night. He got like a great assist for the second goal um, for Dembele's header, which was like he had to bend his neck backwards to score. But yeah, he's only eighteen and he's played seventeen games this season. Looks like a phenomenal talent. So at least they've got right back sorted. Yeah, that's good. I mean, when you look at the other teams towards the top, obviously Monaco, who have definitely had a had a resurgence. I mean, they were they were an excellent watch when uh, we went to watch them um, dismantle PSG, who were abysmal that day, to be fair. But like I say, they've been excellent in the second half of the season. Um, but even even Ren, just interestingly, their goal difference they're only four goals behind PSG. In, their, yeah. in terms of goal difference, so obviously they've done extremely well both attacking the and defensively this season. Yeah, it's only PSG and Ren who have a goal difference over thirty, which is really interesting actually. Um, and yeah, that's mainly come from their their goals. They've only scored two goals shy of PSG's this year, and that has been down to the sort of the interchanging and attack, like Guyton Laborde, uh, Martin Tellier, who's got twenty one goals this year, uh, this season. Sorry, in France. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Former winger of Lyon uh, moved to Rennes, I think it was two seasons ago. Mm. And he's finished his conversion into a striker. you got Suleiman and Doku contributing at like moments. Benjamin Bourgeois as well um, plays at sort of right mid. And he's, I think he's got over 10 goals and assists. Yeah, they've, they've got like, they, they've got a better platform, I guess, than PSG, who've really relied on Mbappe, where at Rennes, everyone has willfully chipped in. Yeah, I mean, looking at, like I say, I've seen a little bit of Martin Terry on uh, on Twitter sort of over the last couple of weeks and whatnot. Um, a lot of people saying that he deserves his spot for the French national team at the World Cup this year. Would you agree with that? Oh, that'd be tough. It's only because of the players they've got that French national team. They've got Giroud, who still should argue to start still. Uh, Benzema uh, up there, right? And Bappe as well. And then, like, it's other people in this league, like Ruzan Dembele could probably argue to start. But I, I, I could see, I could see the debate there, like because mm. of how good Terrier has been, and it, it's not, it's not necessarily like a a winger sort of playing up from, like weirdly if that makes sense, like he's not pulling wide all the time, like he he behaves like a striker. You see him getting into good spaces and scoring good goals. So maybe if he continues this form, like going into the end of the season, start of next season, then by the time the World Cup comes around, he might be in Didier Deschamps' head. But then again, he's about as conservative as Gareth Southgate, so mm. <laughs> still probably have Giroud in there. Yeah, which is annoying. But one other player that I do want to touch upon before we move on uh, is another French international. I don't know if he has, is he, if he's an international yet, but um, that is William Saliba, who's had a really, Ooh, yes. really good season for, for Marseille this year. And obviously... There's still a little bit of um, speculation as to what Arsenal will do with him in the summer. But again, is he a player that, depending on where he ends up for for next season, should be in that French team as well? Have you seen my video on him that I posted last week, I have a review? Oh, yeah. Well, you have. Okay, that is why you're asking. Yeah, he should be. A, Arsenal have a stupidly talented defender on their hands. I, I, what's quite annoying about him... Like but praising him is that uh, I watched a video the other day uh, with someone was praising Saliba and it was reading off his footbreath profile how it, he's essentially the top 
three percent for nearly every stat and like that does go some ways to tell a story but i feel like you could do so much more about him like he's played right center back in this marseille back three but often been like asked to push forward like a right back like last night against leon that near the end moving near the end it was like second half he was really near the leon box trying to link with teammates he's just been pushed so hard in his ability and he's adapted so nicely that he do you know when people describe players like a Rolls Royce? I feel like Saliba's that, where he's got the power and the speed like of a, a supercar, but he's also just got that sort of culture and that technique you need. Like, he's such a good passer. He's so good on the ball, like, really smooth on the ball. And, and I think a good dribbler as well for mm. his height. And he, obviously, his height, he's a titan. He's like six foot four. He's mm. an absolute brick. So, yeah, I think Arsenal. Or should be looking to bring him back. If they don't bring it back, you should be selling him over 40, which I know would be really hard. So there's no point in selling him. But yeah, he's 21 as well. Like, so talented. I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, again, we, when we went to watch Marseille against Nice in the derby, um, it was, you know, I, I was watching him a little bit more than the actual game itself. And you can see he's just so composed on the ball for his age. And I feel like, obviously, Arsenal were heavily criticised when, we, when we've loaned him out for these past three seasons. But I think it was a great decision in hindsight now when you look at how much he's learned, how much mm. he's gr- grown up. Um, I think throwing him in to a struggling Arsenal team at the time was definitely the wrong decision at the time. So, you know, I, I agree with what they've done this year. I would... 100% have him back and they need to give him a new contract as well uh, to start you know there's going to be interest in him from from bigger clubs Marseille will, will no doubt want to keep him I don't think they'd be able to afford to buy him outright um, and I'm not sure if Arsenal will sanction another loan deal because we need that player who can play at right back as well we obviously Tommy Asu's been injured pretty much all season and we've had to endure Cedric right back which is not good and ultimately we need that cover for someone who can play there but obviously is more natural at centre back and the trouble is when you've got the pairing of Gabriel and Ben White who have been very very good together this season it's hard then to displace them especially considering how much we've paid for both of them as well but I believe there's room to fit all three in uh, Especially with such a growing fixture list, like you'll be in Europe next season, minimum Europa League now, isn't it? Right. So yeah, exactly. So you're gonna we're gonna need that that depth, and even if you play him, you know, in in European games and club games to start with, and see how he does, you know, again, you need this quality depth. With you know, Manchester City have got it, Liverpool have got it, you know, arguably Chelsea as well. So to get to these teams, you know, you need to have that depth there not just you know players who aren't mm. good good enough at the end of the before day we, before we move on i would like to because i missed a discussion after you guys went to monaco and then marseille nice and everything i wanted to ask uh how many monaco fans were there for psg as question a and question b did the three of you outnumber them because their average attendance this year <laughs> <laughs> the average attendance this year i know it's been hit by covid but it's been eight thousand. and every monaco game i've watched sadly on tv unlike you guys uh has had an empty stand so i wanted to ask your experience of going to monaco for football <sighs> i mean 
there's quite a lot of fans. There's quite a lot of fans there, weren't there? I'm guessing it's because it was PSG, I'd imagine. But yeah, I, I, I think that's the main reason. I mean, you had the ultras in a little bit of a section mm. at one end, but it's um, it's definitely the most unique stadium I think I'll ever go to. It's just, it's so weird because you can walk around anywhere. There's practically no security. I mean, we walked up. <laughs> and you're walking past where the commentators are all sitting, and you can, you can literally go and you know tap the commentators on the on the shoulder and say hello. There's no there's no security. There's nothing there. You can just go and speak to them. I mean, we didn't. Um, I was only looking out for someone who I might have known, but there wasn't no one there. And you know, this is a stadium that out of all those fans that go, they have one stand there for food and drink in which they don't take card payments, it's only cash. <laughs> uh, it's all, you know, I, there's there's more stands at Kingsley Town, the local club <laughs> near me, than there were at Monaco, which is just embarrassing for for, for a league and club, really. Yeah. But I mean... That really paints a picture. <laughs> no, it, it, that fills in all the gaps of why there's no one turn up to watch Monaco. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a lovely place, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, is it uh, far from the the state of Monaco? No, no, it's practically. I mean, the state of Monaco is is tiny anyway. Um, I'd say you could walk around there, but you can't. We've we figured that out very quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a lovely place and it's a stadium well worth visiting, and just for the unique sort of architecture, really, of it all. But yes, um, yeah. one to visit once, not one to visit every week. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, our highlight, our highlight was being about ten feet away from Thierry Henry. So um, <laughs> that 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 was our main highlight, to be honest, of the game, really. But yeah, uh, it would have been a bit better if PSG decided to turn up. But yeah, well, uh, ultimately, yeah, the uh, the Marseille ground is definitely one to visit. That's an incredible yeah. stadium. Atmosphere yeah, that's on my bucket list as well. Yeah, the stand, the state, uh, the fans. Sorry, were. Unfortunately, we missed the um, the pre-match atmosphere, but it was, uh, you know, inside it was just it was rocking and definitely one for people to visit. But yeah, uh, hopefully we'll visit a few more French games next season. But moving on from France onto the world of Spanish football, um, not really a, an interesting league to be honest this season, but. You know, we've spoken about Real Madrid wrapping up the title already, Naeem, but is there anything else to play for in Spain? Yeah, so we've still got, obviously, the top four places to uh, to play for. Obviously, relegation as well. Um, at the bottom was Levante. They they got they, they earned a 1-1 draw with Valencia. Valencia did actually go down to 10 men, but Levante did manage to pull a goal back in the 81st minute thanks to Oscar Duarte. So they obviously they remain rock bottom at the moment. So their next game, I believe, um, is against Real Sociedad on Friday. So obviously Real Sociedad, they they can they have a slim chance of getting into the Champions League places, but it looks more likely that they will be getting obviously the either Europa League or, or the Conference League places. So Deportivo, they they they're nineteenth at the moment. They took. They took on Villarreal, who obviously had the had tomorrow's game in mind against Liverpool at home. So they made a host host um, a host full of chances. I mean, sorry, changes they made to to their team. 
Deportivo obviously capitalised on that and they ran out 2-1 winners. So, obviously, like I said, they were rock bottom before this game and now they are they're four points from safety uh, with, obviously, Cadiz and Mallorca. They're still floating around the relegation zone with the one point in between there. Granada, they're probably the, the team in the bottom three in the worst run of form. They managed to get a 90-second minute equaliser against Celta Vigo. So they managed to earn a, a point point there. But uh, last time they won a game was back in March, and that was against Deportivo. So the run isn't too good at the moment. They're, they're playing team. They're playing Mallorca next, who are just above them in the table. So that would be a good chance for them to get some points on the board. But I can't really see that happening. And like I said before, there's top four spots to focus on. So Sevilla, they actually played the first game. They played against Cadiz on Friday. You know, they had a chance of moving up into second place uh, because Barcelona played yesterday in the late game. But they drew 1-1. Yusuf El Nesri, he got his first goal in 223 days. He put the team up 1-0 in the seventh minute. But... Lucas Perez, obviously, he got the winner against Barcelona a couple games ago. He scored a lovely free kick, uh, quite quite, a fair distance out, but it hit a crossbar and went in. So they obviously earned a well-deserved point, Cadiz, as they're, like I said, they're still floating above the relegation zone. Sevilla, they have drawn quite a lot of games this season. Uh, They've drawn 13, that's the second most from any team. So, you know, they... They they were obviously in the title race at one point during the season, but you know they just they draw too many games and they don't score enough. So it's, it's, it's yeah, weird, yeah. Naeem. Just, just yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. I mean, that's not the same Lucas Perez that played for Arsenal, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, yeah, he's playing I mean, East now. Yeah. It's it's weird, and even his counterpart for Sevilla, Yusuf and Nesri, this yeah. is someone who is apparently rated extremely highly. He's, I was I think, thinking this, yeah, he's, like when he said it. He's always linked as well with, with like big clubs, and yet I don't ever see him score goals. West Ham. Yeah, even Arsenal, and I don't even see him score goals. Yeah, that, that was his first goal since September, so you know he's not Jesus. really. He's, well, he's only got four goals in the league this season, so yeah, he's, yeah, it's not been too well there. But yeah, like yeah, so yeah, um, Lucas Perez got that free kick there. You know, he got the winner at the New Camp as well, so. He, like I said before last week, he came in January, so he's been a decent addition to Cadiz. But Atletico Madrid, they played on the Saturday. They take they took on Atleti Club, who have a slim chance of getting into Europe. They're only one point off of the Conference League places, so they had to pick up a bit of form at the um, end of the season. They ran out two 0 winners against Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid a poor game. It looks like some of their players are on the beach at the moment. You know. They, st- they still can drop down to the Europa League places. That's only if Real Betis win later on today. Uh, they take on Getafe, so that they can they have a slim chance if they can get that win. You know, they'd only be one point behind Atletico Madrid. But yeah, like I said, they lost 2-0. Um, Barcelona, they beat Mallorca 2-1 at the new Camp. That was their first win at home in three games. Their last win came against Sevilla. And obviously they lost to uh, Rayo Vallecano and Cadiz at home. But yeah, so they're in they're in second place on 66 points. They can 
well, they they they, they will they will secure their Champions League football. They had a bit of a rough rough spot at home and they weren't winning, but they look like they will be obviously favourites to finish in second place. But uh, real Sociedad they drew, so their chances of getting into Champions League is a bit slim. You know that they're five points from Atletico Madrid, so it's a bit of a, a bit slim there. Uh, like I said, Real Betis, they're playing later on today against Getafe. If they win, only one point behind Atletico Madrid. So, yeah, there's still quite a lot to play for. Um, obviously, no teams have been relegated yet, but it looks like Levante's time is running out. There's only four games left. They're, six, they're only six points from safety, so, you know, they're, they're still, it's still, it probably might go down to the last day since they, they've only got two losses in the last five games. They've got two wins and a draw in that time as well. So, yeah, there's all still to play for. See, the the league was wrapped up months ago. Real Madrid, uh, they've been an informed team all, all, all season. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who does get that last fourth place spot and, yeah, who else finishes in. They have a European sport. So, like I said, Athletic Club, they're only one point off of Villarreal. So, they have a slim chance of getting into the Europa League places. They're only five points from Real Sociedad. Who do like to draw quite a lot of games so yeah we'll see what happens um it's been an uneventful uneventful this season but yeah hopefully next season um it will be a bit more competitive in this title race so yeah that's what's been going on in spain i was gonna say because i i can see a worrying prospect in which the la liga mm. become becomes the new league and uh when you look at it on paper, Real Madrid are 15 points clear at the moment of Barcelona, obviously known for some time that they are always going to win the title. But yeah. I can only see that gap getting bigger over the next year or two, simply because you look at the names Real Madrid are looking to bring in, obviously probably going to bring in Rudiger on a free transfer, yep. um, probably going to bring in Mbappe on a free transfer. Then you look at the names Barca are, are looking at, not really big name players because you can't really afford big names. I mean, I'll launch a quick slight correction. You said it's the new league, and uh, league has actually had as many pre- league winners as the Premier League over the last five years. It would be the new Bundesliga. Yeah, so. Bundesliga. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, 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 I correct that. <laughs> I, I actually agree with that. It's the new Bundesliga. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll amend that. But even, even so, I mean, um, I mean, the names I've seen Barcelona linked with Marcus Alonso, really, like. What that that club has fallen dramatically. I mean, I mean that, that's everyone knew that anyway. But they they got so many good youngsters. Like, mm. give them a chance. Why would you bring in someone like like Marcus Alonso? I know he's a half decent player, but towards the end of his career now, like I don't understand that. And then I don't see Sevilla improving. I don't see Atletico Madrid improving that much. No. You know, Real Betis and the likes of Sociedad and Villarreal haven't got the financial power to compete with Real Madrid. So I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a bit concerned that you know we could see this for a number of years. I don't know what you think, Naeem. Yeah, because obviously last season Real Madrid were only two points off of winning the title anyway. Like Atletico Madrid, you know they they, they did well in the league, but towards the end they started falling off a bit. And, you know Real Madrid. You know, if, if they had a few more games, they probably would have overtaken them. So, 
with Real Madrid, like you said, they they are linked to some high profile players there. Um, I, I can't really see anyone other than Real Madrid or Barcelona winning the league anyway, because other than Atletico Madrid winning it, what, it was about ten years ago. The last team to win win the league was Valencia, and that was what two thousand three, two thousand four. So, mm. it, yes, it's the league. You know, the, the league's great to watch. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, Real Madrid. I think they're getting their recruitment right, and yeah, look, look at this. What fifteen point gap? And yeah, it's, it's not it's not the greatest Real Madrid side. Like obviously, when Zidane was there, when he was winning Champions League, that you could you could arguably say those teams were better. And well, yeah, this. Is, this, this is, this is it. You know, this Real Madrid team's only going to get better. You would say next season, and Benzema is still going to be there. You know, they're not they're not losing any of their of their big players. Um, yeah, I mean, because, look, because obviously Ramos and Varane they went last season, and yeah, they, they didn't. They only really bought in Alaba and oh, I can't remember who else did they bring in. Uh, Camavinga. Yeah, they only bought in those two players, and yeah, they just walked away with the league. So. I think they'll get their recruitment right this season and, yeah, they'll go again. Um, and, obviously, they've got their game on Wednesday against Man City. There's only one mm. goal in there. Obviously, they lost 4-3, but that was probably one of the greatest games I've seen in a while. Um, it was just too great. Obviously, the defending was was kind of rubbish for some of the goals, but the quality on show was great. So, yeah, they're only just going to keep getting better and, yeah, they might... They'll probably, they'll, they'll probably walk the lead for the next couple of seasons if Barcelona don't... Um, Get the correct recruitment in. They've got a decent squad there, but yeah, they need a few. They need to uh, move a few players on, and like you said, just get a few younger replacements in. That is it. And I mean, finally, before we move on uh, to Germany, it's interesting looking at Atletico Madrid's player stats as well, because when you look at their goal scorers, you've got Angel Correa, who's got eleven. Luis Suarez has got eleven. Joao Felix has got eight. You know, they haven't got one player that scored over fifteen goals. This season, and I know sometimes you don't necessarily need that. You know, if you've got a lot of players contributing, it's not too bad. But I feel like we're now seeing the end of Luis Suarez at an elite level. Yeah. Um, Angel Correa and Joao Felix aren't really out and out strikers yet. Whether they can, I mean, Joao Felix has got more scope to improve in that department. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's the that's the major thing they're missing. Whether they can improve on that. I mean, the players that I've seen him linked with were uh, Lacazette and Dembele. I think Dembele would be a good sign. He seems to be linked with Atletico Madrid every single transfer window, but uh, Lacazette, I, no, I don't see him being the answer either to their to their goal scoring issues. Um, no. then, uh, then again, they're not. They've never been a, a team known for for scoring goals, but then that was because they were so solid defensively and. They're not that anymore. Do you think it's time really for maybe a change in management? Uh, you can't deny what he's done, Simeone. There, but I think, yeah, I think this is because look, the, tw- the twenty points off the top, and they won the league the season before. Like, there's quite a big fall off um, f- from them. But I, I, th- I think maybe give him one more season, see who they bring in. But I think it will be. I think it is time to to see him move on because. You know the way he plays football with the with the attacking threat they have, they their strikers really should be scoring more than that. And it's quite surprised to see that you know they haven't really got a striker that can get twenty plus goals. But I, I think yeah, it's going to be starting to be time to to move on because in this day and age in football, managers don't really last more than what five six years. I know obviously you got Pep and Klopp 
they've been there for a number of years. But managers, yeah, they usually they don't really have a long t- um, time span uh, in certain leagues. So I think if they want to progress, because they've got a, they've got a good squad there, Atletico Madrid. But I think yeah, maybe it's just going a little bit stale now with his um, tactics, um, Simeone. He's only really got one way of playing, and you know if that don't really work, then yeah, he's kind of screwed. So yeah, I think I think yeah, they need to start looking. Looking on, and he's on a lot of money as well. Like he's mm. he's like the highest paid manager in the world as well. So yeah, I think yeah, he needs to start move, looking to move him on. But it just depends on what managers are out there, really. That's it. I mean, they might need to sort of take a an Arsenal sort of esque approach and maybe look to someone with a little bit less experience, but mm. maybe with a bit more potential, and go down that route if that's the you know the tactical style that they want to see their yeah. team play. But I mean, who knows? Um, you know, it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see what what he does. But yeah, as ever, thank you, Noeem, for a wonderful insight into Spanish football. Um, moving on now to Deutschland, because Mr. Jonathan has joined the chats. What has been happening in the Bundesliga apart from Bayern winning the title a few months ago? Yep, yep, same old with Bayern. Uh, we can start it off with Union Berlin against Firth. Union are pushing for those European places, so you thought this is going to be an easy three points for them. But Firth actually got a point from the game, which really helped that clone and Freiburg's chances at getting into those Europa League, possibly into that last Champions League spot. So bad loss for Union there. Um, as Cologne continued to win, they absolutely destroyed Augsburg 4-1. A big game for Stuttgart as they and Hertha Berlin are sort of battling for that third relegation spot that will head into that uh, playoff with the third-best team from the second division. They tied with Wolfsburg, while Hertha Berlin tied with Armenia. At this point, it really feels like Bielefeld are going down. They don't seem to have any sort of shot or, or any sort of real quality of talent in their squad that can get them at least, you know, three points of one of the two games that they have left. I think Hertha will stay up and Stuttgart will go into that playoff game. It was interesting to see, though, because Felix uh, Magath, the Hertha coach, after the game, he was interviewed and he saw that Bayern had lost to Mainz 3-1. You know, he didn't know anything that happened in the game. Lewandowski actually had a, had a goal, but... You know, it did feel like Bayern, now that they have the trophy in their hands, took took a little bit off the pedal. And Magath is concerned because next week, or this week now, Stuttgart play against Bayern. And, you know, he sort of hit a little jab out at them to make sure they didn't take it easy on Stuttgart, who are their rival for that third playoff, um, promotional playoff spot. But it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there are rumors that some Bayern players already trying to take vacations. They're done with the season. So Stuttgart actually have a decent chance of getting three points for that game, which you know normally on, on regular terms would not really be a possibility. So, you know, if Magath is correct that Bayern continue to keep their foot off the pedal, that's that's going to be kind of funny to watch. Dortmund lost to Bochum 4-3, uh, topsy-turvy game. Holland had a few penalties, but... I mean, Bochum, they beat Dortmund, they beat Bayern this season, a team that I pegged to go down before the campaign began as a mid-table side. And not a lot of people projected this, but Thomas Reese has done an unbelievable job turning themselves into a 
you know, just a decent, decent contender. I mean, they're better than Wolfsburg. They're better than Gladbach before the season. I don't think anybody would have really predicted that. And then finally, Freiburg beat Hoffenheim 4-3 in another wild affair um, and another big three points for them away at Hoffenheim, which they need in order to keep pace with Leipzig and Leverkusen, who play the same time tonight. We're recording this podcast on a Monday, so um, they'll both be playing tonight after the sort of Labor Day, Sunday off, no Bundesliga um, play yesterday, which was slightly weird. But if we look at the table, just take a quick look. I mean, Dortmund and Bayern are into the Champions League. And then it really comes down to Leverkusen, Freiburg, Leipzig, and potentially Cologne for that um, third and fourth spots. Freiburg have already locked up some sort of European football as they'll get um, seventh or above. And um, yeah, I mean, further down, Armenia are going down, and it's really just between Berlin and Stuttgart at this point. A few transfer updates. I guess Nico Schlotterbeck today finally officially announced he is going to Borussia Dortmund uh, for what I've said is is an absolute steal. I think it's 20 million euros, 5 million euro added on. Uh, you know, I've also said before, I think people have gone to prison for less. It's that good of a transfer. But um, Dortmund, they have Sule and Schlotterbeck back there. And I, they need a number six. They need midfield, which they've sort of haven't really focused on in, in you know, transfer windows in, in the past. Um, and Holland will be gone as well. Adayemi might be coming in. But, you know, I was going to ask, you know, you guys, what do you think about Dortmund? Who should they bring in this summer? Um, and if they are able to bring in any of their top prospects, you know, is there any chance at all? They could get back at Bayern again next year, especially if Lewandowski does somehow shockingly leave. No. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I I disagree with disagree with Alex there. Go on, Ryan, you go first. No, I think if it's a massive if Lewandowski does leave, um, Bayern. I, I said it last week. I don't see a whole lot of depth in Bayern's team. Uh, Thomas Müller is getting on a little bit. Um, well, he didn't really score that many goals. He's more of a an assist machine, really. But you know they've got Gnabry, whose future is still a bit undecided as well. Sane's done all right, but he hasn't. I don't think been the same player that we saw at Manchester City for a few little different bits, you know. And I think if Dortmund can recruit well, you know the gap's not that big anyway between them. In my opinion, obviously they're going to lose Haaland, which is a lot of goals to, to lose. But Adiemi would be a great signing. Um, really, really rate him highly. And like you say, if they can sort out that that midfield, they've got a lot of good youngsters there, the likes of uh, Rainier, uh, Makuku as well. So obviously Jude Bellingham as well, the obvious one. But no, I think if they can recruit well, they can definitely challenge them. Same, same with RB Leipzig. I think if they can keep hold of a few of their players like in Kunku, um, they'll be up there. Leverkusen, we all know how many good young players that they have. If they can add to that and keep uh, Patrick Sheik, then I can see it being a lot more competitive next season in, in Germany. And I already think there'll be a different winner next season. Uh, so the other side of the coin is, for me, despite Ryan's analysis and, of course, uh, I, I just think that... <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks, Jonathan, to Brandt Hazard 
dream window. They've done, Dortmund have done a masterclass. They've got in all these cheap players for nothing, and they, they they've left their rivals looking stupid. I'm getting flashbacks to that, and I've learned over the past four or five years of watching the Bundesliga the first half of the season, thinking Dortmund are going to do it, and they inevitably fail. That not, I'm not going to trust Dortmund in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I just don't think there's any point even betting against it. That Bayern won't win next year because they will win it. They they're a machine. They'll do it, and they'll win it for the next twenty years. They're, they're impossible to beat. It's, it's just ridiculous. Dortmund, Dortmund will never stop confusing me. I mean, Julian Brandt, I still watch him every once in a while, and he has these moments, you know, these these crazy screamers of goals, and he's flying down the wing, and he, you have these moments to just say, this guy could be so, so good, but half the time he just doesn't turn up. Um, you know, part of me wished they had gotten some sort of Dennis Zakaria type of a player, uh, you know, a long, quick built type of number six and so maybe they can do that in the summer especially it looks like axel witzel is is leaving now but i they they you know they need something in the midfield i they're not going to be able to replace holland i i think leipzig their depth at leipzig is really really good i think nordy mukieli is going to leave now that heinrichs is sort of more on that right back spot but if they can hold on to Nkunku, olmo i mean andre silva will stay on they've got a Decent midfield and a lot of really good young defenders. Uh, Tedesco's done a good job after whatever happened with Jesse Marsh. I prefer, you know, I, I predict that Leipzig might have a better shot against Dortmund, at least for next year. Um, you know, who knows about in a few years down the line if Dortmund can actually do some decent recruiting. But we'll see. It'll probably still be Bayern. I mean, sadly, kind of depressing, but oh well. Yeah, I mean... Julian Brandt is someone who I compare to Pepe a lot. I think they're very similar. They both can have that sort of eight, nine, even ten game, but it's it's one game out of ten games kind of thing. You don't see any kind of real consistency from them, and that is obviously the problem with Dortmund. I think it's a problem throughout their whole team, especially lately. You, you don't get any real kind of consistency. One week they smash a team 4 or 5 nil, and the next day they're getting beat 3 or 4 nil, or getting beat 4-3 like it don't it don't add up really and like you say they do need to have a very good window in order to compete but yeah I don't see Bayern's dominance carrying on that much because they don't have that many top quality young players they might win it next season but I think as time goes on this is going to change because when you look out there if they lost Lewandowski, I don't know who they would get to replace even half of his goals when you think that Mbappe is probably going to Madrid and not going to get Haaland now. Vlahovic, obviously, is at Juve. There aren't that like, many other ones out there who are up to that kind of level, in my opinion. So that's my only fear. But I don't think Lewandowski will move on. We see this. We've seen this for the last two or three summers where he's been rumoured to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona or whoever, and he ends up staying. And, you know, I think that'll probably be the same this summer as well. They'll turn Chupa Moting into a 20-goal-a-season striker. I don't, I don't, I don't know how they... It's how Bayern. They do, you know what, do you know what they'll actually do? What they'll do is Nico Schlotterbeck will have a ridiculously good season next year for Dortmund, and him and Sula will lock down the defence. And they'll concede, like, 
30 goals in 34 games and um, Bayern will just go and buy him. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we can we can clip that and we can play that this time next, next year. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we are. I mean, I don't know if we've touched on another centre-back that's going to be leaving, but I saw Fabrizio Romano tweet earlier that Matthias Ginter is going to join Freiburg on a free transfer. And that quite surprised me because I rate Ginter quite highly and I thought that he would get a bit of a better move than that. What do you, what do you make of that, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, the fact that Fabrizio Romano has been, been tweeting out the word Freiburg constantly is, you know, it feels like some other ultra universe with Schlotterbeck and now Ginter. I was, I mean, you know, as a Freiburg fan, I was completely shocked. Ginter is very good friends with Christian Gunter, uh, Freiburg's left back captain who's been there forever. Um, And supposedly his foundation has a lot of ties to the club as well. He was at Freiburg previously, so this will be his second stint there. But I still thought he was making a move to the Prem. I thought Mm. Newcastle, I kept on hearing that name. Um, So this, this does shock me. It must something must have changed now that Freiburg have a decent shot at Champions League and they'll most likely get to Europa League. Something must have changed with that that he just wants to go back um, to his former club, his home, and and play European football with them, which is you know something they haven't done since 2017. They played a little bit of European football, but in their history, I think they've only done it four other times. So it must be something along those lines. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's only two more match days to come in the Bundesliga because the fact that there's only 18 teams in that league. But um, what a story it would be if, you know, Union Berlin got European football. I mean, they're not probably going to get Champions League football, but if they can get in to some kind of European football. I mean, that's that's a massive, you know, thing for them as a whole. And obviously, if anyone hasn't read it yet, um, we'll put the link out on our socials a little bit later. But Jonathan wrote a really good piece on um, her to Berlin and, you know, the the circus that we've seen at that club for the last couple of years. That's a really good read. Um, I'll let Jonathan say a little bit about it now because we don't want to give it all away. Yeah, I mean, it would be, for Hertha fans especially, it would be, you know, absolutely devastating to see your, well, I can't say brother because they hate each other so much, but, you know, the club... You know, your little brother who shouldn't be even in the same league as you is now the capital club. Hertha cannot come anywhere close to saying that. But um, yeah, for Union, I love their stadium. It's, it's small. It's compact. You feel Everybody feels like they're on top of each other. For that to be in European football would be pretty special. But Hertha, I mean, they've, they've had $375 million, uh, million euros of investment since you know, 20, 2019, since that Lars Windhorst investment, and they just thrown it down the drain, um, terrible transfer policies. And, you know, even this season, especially, they've had three different coaches. They went from Dardai to Korkut and now to Magath. Um, and it's it's just they've loaned out most of the people that they've brought in these last couple of windows. And so, you really have to have faith in a transfer policy. And if you're not willing to see that out, which Hertha, you know, has shown they're not, it's never going to work out. People think that Freddie Bobich, who did wonders turning Eintracht Frankfurt around into your, you know, now doing so well in Europe was going to come in, but 
They really didn't do a lot in January. They bought Mark Oliver Kemp, who's been okay um, from Stuttgart for pretty cheap. But I, I don't know what they're going to do because now Windhorse doesn't want to invest anymore. People are questioning whether the 50 plus one rule is even being fulfilled there as he wants so much power in that club. It, it's a complete, complete crazy craziness, some sort of, you know, just it's just insanity. And I feel bad for the fans you know, with such an amazing stadium they have, um, you know, do they actually need to go down? Do they need that awakening as much as it hurts to come back up as Schalke or Werder Bremen might be doing this year? I don't know, but it looks like they will stay up. And, and I just feel like eventually they're going to go down possibly next year. Yeah, I mean, you touch on the stadium. Now. It's a stadium that I'm keen to visit hopefully next season at some point. Uh, for the channel, because it is a huge stadium. I believe it's, the, it's sort of like the equivalent to West Ham's Olympic Stadium, if I'm right. It was used for the Olympic, was, was it not? Yeah, I think it, it holds 70,000, 75,000. They always use it for the DFB Pokal um, Championship game as well. Oh, wow, OK. Yeah, like you said, you just mentioned about uh, Schalke. Is obviously, they're, they're top of uh, Bundesliga 2, uh, looking like they'll go straight back up and obviously that's good news. We want to see the likes of Schalke and uh, Hamburg and even Werder Bremen back in the back in the top division. Um, but yeah, again, thank you ever so much, Jonathan, for wonderful insight once more into the Bundesliga. But finally, we're on to the Premier League and it was another interesting weekend. Uh, Liverpool, they got on a way win at Newcastle very narrowly. Uh, Norwich were finally relegated. We can all cheer that one because we all hate Norwich. Uh, <laughs> um, Crystal Palace got a big win away to Southampton. Wilfred Zaha, a 92nd minute winner. Burnley, massive, massive win for them away at Watford. That's probably pretty much sent Watford down if that didn't already. Uh, Brian as well. That was probably the surprise win of the weekend. Three 0 away at Wolves. I mean, that was a that was a big win for them. Uh, man, we knew we already knew Man City would win. Um, that's that's irrelevant. But it was the Sunday's fixtures which were the the most exciting in a sense because Everton beat Chelsea one nil. Uh, lovely to see. Tottenham they won against Leicester. No one cares. Um, Arsenal two one winners away to West Ham again. Massive three points for both North London sides in that fight for the top four, something that we'll speak about in a little while. And then, yeah, the last fixture of this match day is Man United against Brentford tonight on Monday Night Football. And going to call it now, Brentford will win that game. But <laughs> just looking at the, the table, uh, or a one-word answer from everybody, out of Burnley, Leeds and Everton, which team will go down? Naeem? Uh, Everton. Alex? Everton. Jonathan? Burnley. Ooh. I don't I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Everton now, but I said a few weeks ago Burnley, I ha- I have to stick with it. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna say Leeds. I think really? Leeds I think Leeds will go down, yeah. Um Burnley, Burnley are in good form at the moment. This change of manager, which everybody uh, went ballistic about, seems to have worked. Uh, yeah. 
the, the Brexit Pep Guardiola is no longer. And, <laughs> uh, they seem they seem they seem to be doing all right, and I think they I think they'll stay up. Um, I think Everton have just got that little bit of quality that was you know for the soft you know it, it was a mistake from Mespelaqueta, but Richarlison did well to put the put the you know the ball away. But I, I think they'll stay up and. And Leeds, um, in terms of Leeds' fixtures, obviously they're away to Arsenal at the weekend. Very, very hard game. Then they're home to Chelsea, who they need they need to watch out now because mm. they could be dragged back into the Champions League fight. Uh, then Brighton, who are in good form. And then away to Brentford, who are in good form. That's four hard games, in my mm. opinion. I can, I can see it happening. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, moving on to the top four. Once again, one-word answers. Who will be fourth out of Arsenal and Tottenham? Jonathan. Arsenal. Naeem? Arsenal. Alex? Oh, Tottenham. You motherfucker. <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've had you down... Well, I've had you down since United fell apart. I had United to go fourth, then Tottenham to go fifth. So when United were quickly falling apart, I changed it near mid-season. I said Tottenham will finish fourth. And I've stuck with it, and I'm still willing to stick with it. I think they're going to beat you in the North London derby. That might not matter. Uh, if Obviously, this week's fixtures, I believe, will be the most crucial in that regard. Mm. Uh, obviously, Spurs are away to Liverpool, which you would imagine... Liverpool would win. We can't say for sure. And then obviously we're at home to Leeds, which we should win. So should those things happen, we could go into the North London derby with a five-point lead. So if, even if Spurs were to beat us, still a two-point gap. Um, that's if Spurs beat us, you know, we could quite easily go there and get a point and we'll be golden. So I think we're in a great position. And even if we didn't get fourth, it would be devastating, but I wouldn't be like, you know, to upset. I wouldn't be on Twitter tweeting Arteta out anytime soon. Uh, you know, uh, not like a certain other Arsenal fan in this podcast. Uh, uh, Naim, <laughs> have you been do- have you been tweeting Arteta out? I don't have Twitter, so I just I just say it out loud. Yeah, that's 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 a retryer, but. Me, me and Naeem have very differing views on... Naeem, I'm really disappointed in you. That's <laughs> disgraceful. <laughs> what did, you, look, did you sit here at the start of this season, oh. right, when we previewed Arsenal on Eurotrips, did you sit here and say, top four or nothing? I'd have to go back, I can't remember. Do, do you reckon you said that, or did you say, we're pretty shit, to be honest, I'll be, I'll be impressed if we get the Europa League? Yeah, I think it was something along those lines. Yeah. Did you did you say did you say what wonderful recruitment we've made? I can't believe we nailed it. Or Aaron Ramsdale's a bit crap. Well, I know certainly someone called Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, I did. Like, I'm happily admit I was wrong, but the pin is on Naim here. Did you say did, which one did you reckon you said Naim? Um, the second thing you said, yeah. That yeah. So, shit. yeah. So why have you now gone to think Antetsu should go out despite the fact he's proved everyone wrong? Um, the fact that we're only playing one game a week. Um, or... But you, you knew you'd be playing one game a week of pre-season You still wouldn't have said top four Well, that's well, true But I, I just didn't really think that Man United and Tottenham would be this shit like, this is teams, best... teams are crap every year You didn't expect the, everyone, every team to be amazing every year 
I don't think Man United would be this shit, to be fair. But I don't think I don't think anyone did on that regard. Yeah, I mean, true, yeah. mm. I, I said at the start of the season, you know, it would be challenging for the title. So, you know, that's uh, I, I don't think anyone actually got their predictions more wrong than Gary Neville did. And you know <laughs> what he predicted on Monday Night Football? Jesus, uh, um, uh. wow! I mean, that, that that was that was crazy. I mean, yeah, but just I mean, going back to this whole uh, top four thing, I think it'll be. It'll be a, it'll be a massive achievement if we were to do it, especially with the youngest side in the league. Mm. Uh, obviously, the youngest manager with the least experience as well. I I personally can see what what he's building, and when you listen to people talk about him, and and I think it's it's going to be fascinating to watch the Amazon documentary because a lot of people are saying how much he does around the whole club. I think he's similar to how Arsene Wenger was in his early days and mm. he's just involved in everything and um, I, I, I like what he's doing I don't like that the whole uh, Piers Morgan approach to, to Arsenal oh no, we shouldn't be settling for fourth and of course we shouldn't be settling for fourth we're in that position though we're in that this is where we are you gotta be mm. realistic and you know crying on Twitter every week that we you know let Aubameyang go for nothing isn't going to solve you know, any issues. I don't think Aubameyang's done amazing at Barcelona. Um, of course, you're always going to get that little bounce when a player goes to a, to a big club. You know, they're not going to be... Well, it was impossible for him to be any worse than he was at Arsenal. Yeah, that's true. You know, he he, he, he wasn't even playing at the end of the day. So, we, I think we've called out for this for a long time. We've called out for, for more discipline at Arsenal, for, a, you know, a more united approach. And, that's now what we're seeing. So, I, I I simply can't say that we need that we should even think about sort of changing managers. And I think if we can nail this transfer window, which I believe we can, then I'm optimistic for next season. I don't think we'd still be close to City and Liverpool, but nah. I think we'd we'd be competing with Chelsea, especially. Um, but again. It all depends on what happens in the transfer window. Something we can talk about when the season is well and truly over with. Uh, I mean, one thing actually we, we haven't mentioned yet is a small matter of the title race. Uh, obviously, one point in it. Uh, I'm just going to have a look at Manchester City's fixtures. Home to Newcastle. Let's have a look at Liverpool's. Away to Wolves. Mm. Well, they've fallen off, haven't they? They have. I mean, City have actually got quite a an easy running, really. I mean, they've got West Ham away, but that you know we saw how poor they were yesterday. And Villa at home in the last game, they've been poor. They've fallen right off. Yeah, they've been rubbish. They arguably they. I mean, Liverpool obviously they have got Spurs in the week. Then they've got Aston Villa after that away. Then and they've got the FA Cup final. Then yeah. they've got Southampton away, then Wolves at home on the last day. So I, I, it's, it's Man City's, in my yeah. opinion. Liverpool I've, have got more games to play. I know they've got the, uh, you know, obviously they're both involved in Champions League, which we'll talk about in a minute, but they've got that crucial FA Cup final right in the middle of those Premier League fixtures. And we know that finals of, you know, major trophies can really take it out of players, both sort of physically and mentally, especially if they were to get beat. Um, so I think personally, 
Man City will win the league. Yep. And I think they'll win the Champions League as well, uh, yeah. personally. But on to the Champions League and to the alternative European leagues, not leagues, cup competitions. Um, obviously, last week we had the first legs of the semi-finals. Now, you mentioned it earlier, Man City came up 4-3 winners against Real Madrid in a in a brilliant game in which that that, that Benzema, Pedenka, oof, that was good. Cheeky, that, yes. That was, to do that in a game of that magnitude, that's that's balls, that is. Uh, yeah, it's unreal. I mean, uh, the second semi-final, Liverpool came out 2-0 winners over Villarreal. I think a result most people expected. Um, I will disagree with a with a certain TalkSport pundit who I'm not going to name because even naming his name on this podcast would bring this podcast into the mud. Um, what did they say? Uh, they, they, they called Villarreal a, a disgrace um, for... Oh, yeah, I think I saw that, yeah. ...for how they played and how they set. At the end of the day, you'd have to be moronic to take your team, which everybody knows is a, has a lot less quality... Liverpool's Tottenham rejects in that team, mate. Yeah, you're t- <laughs> you, you can't take a team there and try and play attacking football because you would get beat 8 0. Yeah, the only, team that, the only team that really can do that is Man City, right? Exactly. So, yeah, any, any, any person with a footballing brain would know that. So, to, so to call them a disgrace, especially after what they've done, the fact that they've knocked Juventus out, they've knocked Bayern Munich out, you know, they're playing their way and a lot of people might not, you know, I don't like that kind of defensive sort of anti-football tactical style, but sometimes you have to play like that. You have to, you know, play with, you know, the players you've got, quite frankly. That's it. And, uh, yeah, that I think that enraged quite a lot of people um, and, uh, yeah, further dampened TalkSport's wonderful yeah. reputation. I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen to them, what some of their pundits got to say. They're just chatting out of their asses, really. But I won't yeah. say too much on them. Yeah, I still don't. Know, I still don't know why Andy's joining them. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, luckily we can say what we want because he's not here this uh, for the next couple of weeks. So we can we can berate BT Sport and Talk Sport and kind of Sky as well, all we like. But we'll save that uh, for a special episode. Uh, yep. In terms of the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, obviously we had RB Leipzig against Rangers. Leipzig narrowly won, 1-0. So that is still all to play for going back to the Ibrox. West Ham, they got beat 2-1 at home to Frankfurt. Uh, could have been 2-2 had Jared Bowen scored that brilliant overhead kick attempt right at the end of the game. Um, I think they also had a fan run onto the pitch, didn't they, Like when they was on a quite promising attack. Yeah, they did. Uh, so they stopped the game, which uh, that West Ham fan wouldn't want to show his face around there anytime soon. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I think I can see, uh, I don't know, because Frankfurt aren't that great. So I think West Ham could certainly turn that game around out in Germany. Um, going on to the, the poor man's Europa League. Poor man's Europa <laughs> We had a five-goal thriller, actually, out in uh, the Netherlands, Feyenoid. Coming out three two winners at home to Marseille. Hang on, I know I know you're the host, but you pronounce it like Andy as well. What was that? <laughs> Feyenoid. How would you pronounce it? Feyenoid, not Feyenoid. 
I'm fine. I'm fine. Annoyed with your pronunciation there. <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Leicester City, a team that I can pronounce. Uh, they drew one-one against Roma. Uh, again, all to play for in that legs uh, at tie rather. So I don't know. It's it's still you couldn't predict really um, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Obviously. The only team you could say is well and truly on their way to a final is Liverpool. Uh, again, though, Villarreal, they're, they're a sneaky team at home, so you can never really predict what they might do. And then, and, it, and like I said, they've rested most of the team on the weekend. so Exactly. So, yeah, I, I can see that being a very close game. And then, obviously, Real Madrid against City at the Bernabeu. Oof. We know how good Real Madrid are at home in a Champions League semi-final like the the word pressure doesn't get to them so oh, that's going to that, that, I think that's going to go one that could go to extra time if not because yeah, luckily we don't have the stupid away goal anymore so we could definitely see that going going deep uh, I think it's going to be another brilliant game and then obviously yeah you've got the other Europa League and Europa Conference League games on the Thursday so we're intrigued, and I want I want to see some good finals because we've applied for tickets for all three of them. So hopefully, we get one of them, and hopefully it's not the Conference League because that's in Albania. Yeah, yeah I don't really fancy going there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really that that keen on that one. But yeah, uh, hopefully we can go to that one. But I'll get predictions now. I'm not going to say winners because I think that's a little bit too hard to predict at the moment. But finalists for the Champions League uh, Alex I want to go with Madrid Liverpool okay Uh, Jonathan I'd like to see Madrid Liverpool too but I I do think it's going to be City Liverpool Noeem yeah, I want to see Liverpool, Real Madrid, but I think it'll be Liverpool, Man City. Yeah, it's going to be all English again. I want to see Liverpool City just because I want to see City win it and I want to see Andy cry. <laughs> <laughs> that is my only reasoning for that. Um, that would be... Yeah, it'll be funny if like, the only thing they win this season would be the League Cup. That would, that would be funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all, these, all these quadruple nonsense... <laughs> He's win the league cup. <laughs> Penalties, like really. <laughs> yeah, they he would not he wouldn't live that down. Um, the Europa League finalists. I am going to say West Ham against RB Leipzig. Uh, Naim. I'm going to go with Frankfurt against. I think Rangers will turn it around. Frankfurt versus Rangers. Give a random one, but yeah. Okay, Alex. The Europa League final, I have got Leipzig beat West Ham. Oh, good final. Jonathan? Uh, I'm not biased at all. All German final, Leipzig Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and not that anybody cares, but the uh, Conference League. Uh, right, it's a good. Uh, listen, I've actually enjoyed the Conference League a lot this year. I'm going to defend it. We, how. Uh, has any of you seen games of the Conference League this year? They've actually been insane. Bodo Glimt have been great to watch. 
Come yeah, on. They, they were decent when me and Andy saw them um, against Roma. Yeah, they're, they're not a bad team. Exactly. It's been great matchups. Yeah, but you get great matchups in Sunday League football as well. You know, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean the quality is good, good enough. Um, I, I, the fact that we're only seeing some like relatively good teams come up against each other in the semi-final says it all for me. But I am going to say Roma against Marseille final. Uh, Jonathan? Mm. I'll go with Finn or Roma. I want to see. I want to see Jose win another trophy. Oh no! Right. <laughs> uh, Marseille against Roma, I reckon. And finally, Alex. Marseille against Roma. Very, very nice. Uh, I think that just about covers it for this week. We've gone through everything I can think of. So, thank you as ever to my three guests once again today. And as I say, we'll be returning next week to round up all the fixtures from the Champions League, Europa League, Conference League and all of our usual five leagues from this week and we'll be back next week at some point. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you very soon.